Hello, my name is Jeremiah Telematis, and welcome to the Red Team OPSAC podcast, where we talk all about physical red teaming, social engineering, and penetration testing. This podcast is supported by Red Team Security Training, a premier provider of live instructor-led, online, pre-recorded, and classroom-based training on physical red teaming and social engineering. Visit redteamsecuritytraining.com for more information. If you haven't checked out episode three, please take a moment to do that soon. Episode three is our first time taking a stab at reenacting one of my many social engineering engagements. It has music, it has sound effects. The engagement goes a little haywire, of course. It's all good fun though. So it's definitely one of my favorite ones to tell. Uh, do check it out if you have the time. So thank you for taking the time to listen in today and welcome to episode four of this podcast. I got to admit, I'm a little surprised that some of you still stick around uh, with the exception of the war story episodes. Um, I do record these in one take. So that means like the intro like that and all these other cool things. Um, I don't edit them in, nor do I edit them out. Um, you know, like the verbal flubs or the times that I, I lose my train of thought, you know, for me, it makes it all more, a little bit more real. And I sincerely thank you for guys for, you know, still taking the time to listen in despite not having a super produced show. Anyway, enough of that. <clears throat> in this episode, I'd like to introduce the red team OPSEC framework, right? The Red Team OPSEC framework is a methodology I created uh, for others like me who are tasked with testing the physical security of facilities in a consistent and uh, repeatable, comprehensive, and, and efficient way. So if that's something you're, you're interested in, please stick around. So today we have, you know, OWASP, PTES, the penetration, penetration testing execution standard. You know, we've got CWE, we've got all things, the cyber, the cyber kill chain. You know, but here we are in 2020, and there's still no framework for testing physical security. So when I talk about, you know, the Red Team OPSEC methodology and framework, this is my primary goal in the development of the framework. It's, um, it's ideal for, you know, consulting companies is where, I, where my background primarily came from, state, federal governments, the private sector, of course, universities, and really any org for that matter. And of course, the key point there is how to apply the framework in a realistic and commensurate way. I'll say that again, because it definitely bears repeating. The key point is how to apply the Red Team OPSEC framework so that it's carried out, you know, TTPs in a realistic and commensurate way using the same level of sophistication that a, that a likely bad actor would leverage, right? So that is something that I intend on covering in a later episode. But for now, as I mentioned, let's dive into the framework. Okay, ready? Here we go. 
So my reason, my objective for kind of developing the Red Team OPSEC framework was because, as I mentioned before, no other framework existed or can, is in existence today. It does have many uh, military influences, but it's something I believe is very comprehensive. Try to be all-encompassing, and in mo probably most importantly, one of the struggles that I had early on in my career was trying to come up with a repeatable and consistent way to you know, test these organizations comprehensively and, and produce a work product uh, because I was in consulting at, at the time and really kind of try and deliver something of value um, doing this multiple times over several organizations. It was, it was really difficult. So a lot of the work came out of my, my experiences at Red Team Security. Um, the Red Team OPSEC is kind of made up of these 12 steps. And we'll dig into the first one, which is titled uh, the Rules of Engagement. Okay, so the Rules of Engagement really kind of identifies the targets, the date ranges, the stakeholders. Uh, it establishes these guidelines for the operation. I think, you know, this is a borrowed military term as well, but it really kind of establishes how the operation is going to occur, specifically calling out out-of-scope areas, out-of-scope TTPs, which might be like damage to property and things of that nature. But more importantly, I shouldn't, well, maybe not more importantly, but in addition to, it establishes lines of communication. That That's how the team is going to communicate with the client. You know, the client being either a, uh, an actual client, for example, if this is for a consulting company, or, um, you know, inter-company communication that is uh, the team dealing with, the, you know, their managers and stakeholders as a result of the, uh, the engagement. So in a nutshell, that is really what the rules of engagement uh, are really all about. Step number two is uh, reconnaissance. So engage in recon. This, I'd like to say, is the most time-intensive uh, aspect of the entire methodology. I think we all know that um, anytime we're doing reconnaissance, you know, it's just a, it's just a wide swath of, of things that could, uh, could, that, could, that could come up. You know, it's online work. It's physical reconnaissance as well, more, more importantly. You know, we're not just doing you know, Facebook and Google searches and Google Earth, but we're also uh, on the ground doing long-range and short-range reconnaissance. And uh, I've got a couple, you know, I've, I've got some training, <clears throat> and uh, I've got two shortcuts for those that have never really done any sort of reconnaissance. Uh, I like to break it down into um, a couple of shortcuts I call Recon C3, which is basically, you know, just a, a, an easy way to, to understand how reconnaissance is carried out. That's contact, conceal, and capture. And then as a part of the capture um, aspect, I have the what I call the EDECE method, which is E-D-E-C-E, -E. again, another acronym. But um, really important to kind of uh, kind of recall, easy to recall, E-D-E-C-E uh, -E -E, uh, really kind of stands for the establish the rally point. The D is deploy team. The E again is engage the target. C is capture the 
Intel and then E uh, is exit to the rally point. Again, uh, really important, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, shortcuts to kind of help folks that if this is their first time doing this kind of thing and, you know, it's a, it's a good way to kind of recall and, and understand a little bit more about reconnaissance. Clearly there's a lot more than, than the, the bullet points that I just mentioned, but um, there's uh, that's, that is uh, step two in, in the process. Moving on to step three, um, we have direct operations, direct preparations. And really this, this step is really about reviewing the reconnaissance data that was, re, that was observed and recorded in, in the previous step, conducting a vulnerability analysis. So just like how we do in you know, the pen testing world, uh, after we do our you know, vulnerability scans, for example, port scanning, we're, we're tasked with a, uh, the step of conducting the analysis on those. What's worthwhile? What's a false positive? What, what's uh, worthwhile to con- t- continue testing? Right? So this is a very important step under the uh, direct preparations uh, number three. This is the part we also do resource planning. We identify tools. Um, again, very similar to the pen testing world. Um, and then uh, one aspect is the, the team kind of building out the team. You know, what, what's the team going to look like? How many people do we need? Do we have a need for bypassing, you know, motion sensors? Who's really good at that? Uh, what about lock picking? We have some um, highly secure locks that we need folks with those kind of specialties. So really it's kind of building out the team and in, in, in planning those resources. And then finally, the one of the work products that, come, that comes out of direct preparations is the operational plan development and delivery. So this is kind of a plan that you share with clients, your stakeholders, kind of outline uh, a rough plan of how uh, the engagement is going to, um, how, how it's going to be carried out. The next one is trigger mobilization. So this is, uh, this is we're talking about entirely in the physical realm. So where is the team going to set up? And we call this staging. Staging is a place where you, uh, a physical place, physical location, somewhat near the target. So if you've got a, a data center, this is going to be someplace where it's close enough to the data center, aka the target, but not too far away. Um, there's some other aspects of how some criteria defining out what makes a good staging selection. But um, in a sense, we're, we're, we're setting this, we're, we're setting the setup site um, and then kind of defining, you know, where, where the deployment part is going to be. So the deployment point is a location usually near the location, the target that is where, you know, uh, the team actually deploys from. Um, sometimes they're the same staging and deployment, but uh, oftentimes there are two separate locations. For example, if it's a data center, you may consider dropping someone off, um, let's say, by pulling over and letting them outside the vehicle. You know, there's so many variations of that, but we select we select a deployment point at this stage as well. And then finally, once they're done with the on, you know, the boots on the ground sort of recon, then uh, we got to define a place to to kind of scoop them up, 
Um, this is what we call a rally point. A rally point is again used later in the or in the uh, methodology, but uh, this is specific to reconnaissance. So uh, this is where the team, once everything is done, when they've achieved their reconnaissance goals, then the team will mobilize uh, to this location. The next one is execute staging, step five. This is where, again, this is where we've identified the location, right, um, where the team is going to be staging. Now we've, we've actually moved there. The team is now actually setting up, getting things checked, um, getting ready to actually go out into the field. Um, they're doing equipment checks. Uh, more importantly, communications checks. Um, how is the team going to, how are they going to communicate with each other during the, you know, during, during the engagement, right? We've moved past reconnaissance. Now we're actually talking about going into the field and carrying out, um, executing the, the, um, the engagement. So got to make sure that the equipment we identified back in step three is uh, in operational order, right? If we're using RFID or if we're using other tools, uh, on the cyber side, um, are they working? <laughs> are, you know, are the batteries charged? Uh, all kinds of things that, you know, again, all those things depend on what the nature of the engagement is. But this is where we would do our testing so that we know once we've reached, you know, once we've reached the threshold and we're somehow getting inside the, the target facility that we're able to carry out what we're supposed to be doing and that our, our equipment is in operational order. Um, sometimes this includes clothing changes. Um, you know, oftentimes my team would, would uh, you know, go in at night, for example, and, you know, infiltrate the location during, during the cover of night. So sometimes it would uh, involve just wearing dark colored clothing and things of that nature. So this is that uh, step where you would make sure that, that um, those things are carried out as well. And, and I mentioned comms check, right? That's very important. Um, oftentimes my team would use uh, radios and we just want to make sure that our, you know, do a radio check to make sure we can hear each other. Or <clears throat> oftentimes we would use uh, merely a conference call, right? Like Zoom. We'd all jump on a conference call and uh, have our Bluetooth earpieces in and we would be able to kind of uh, communicate that way, right? Have our have our smartphone in a, you know, in our pocket or one of our pouches and be able to communicate, uh, through there. There's, there, there's, there are many different ways to, to kind of communicate, uh, depending upon, you know, how you want to carry that out. But, uh, there's a lot to this as well. And I, I do cover more of this in my book, uh, clearly, but, um, again, communications check is very important. The other th step that needs to happen here is, is a red team leader, who is usually more of a senior person or the person who's kind of kind of like a project lead, uh, but in the field, uh, he or she would need to confirm that everyone, all the team members are, you know, understand what the, the goals are, the objectives are. We call this mission goals, but understanding what once, once the, uh, once the team makes it, you know, inside, do they know all of the security controls that should be testing? in the appropriate ways and in, in, in compliance with the rules of engagement 
And uh, that step needs to happen there just to make sure there's no confusion. And then what actually happens uh, shortly after that is you leave the location, right? So you, you actually make your way from the staging point where you've been setting up and, you know, do what we call deployment into, into the field or making your way, walking your way um, to, to the actual facility that uh, you're going to be testing. So uh, I'm going to take a short break. We'll be right back. The Red Team OpSec podcast is sponsored by Red Team Security Training. Red Team Security Training specializes in delivering online and classroom training in physical red teaming, social engineering, and penetration testing. Visit redteamsecuritytraining.com and use the coupon code PODCAST1 to take 10% off the physical red team operations bundle. Okay, so moving on to step six. As we were making, right, so the last, where we last left off, we were executing, you know, the execute staging step where we're, you know, actually moving boots on the ground, making, you know, advancing toward, toward, toward our target data center. Let's just go with that example. Uh, number six is assess and acclimate. So at this point in time, you know, we had done some reconnaissance back in step two and, you know, some time may have passed. Um, it could have been a couple of days. It could have been a couple of weeks and maybe even a month or two since we lasted our recon. Right. And so we, we're expecting things to be in place. For example, let's say we did recon a month ago, right? Step two happened a month ago and we expect there to be a vulnerability here. Um, but things change, right? Environments just like, just like in it, Environments changed almost constantly. Physical environment changes. Um, we may not know, right? So we need to do this eyes-on assessment of any changes that happen since our recon. Now, of course, the smaller the window between this point and the time that did you know, the recon was conducted, probably you know the likelihood of change any any dra- dramatic changes is probably pretty low. But this is an important step. You know, this is oftentimes this can be a quick, very quick step, but this does happen. Um, just making sure that the vulnerabilities that were identified, the environment is still the same. And in those situations where there are changes, you know, there, at that point in time, you know, an assessment needs to happen. Okay, so X changed. Does X, uh, pro- does it pose a risk? to what our objectives are, you know, how, and what, and, and to what magnitude does it change, right? So at this point in time, it's very important to decide um, how, the, how the team is going to move forward. So, you know, decisions could be decide to abort. Um, it could be to acclimate, which often happens, uh, and then, you know, in advance. So it, it uh, you know, when these changes happen, and, and, and I will say that, you know, my team is, has experienced changes, you know, if I could put a percentage on it, I would say maybe a little less than half the time. Um, and maybe that's due to our, our process. Um, my, our process was to conduct recon, um, you know, so we'd fly out the location 
spend a few days, usually two, three days, sometimes four days to conduct a recon, you know, on site. And then we would fly back to our, you know, back to uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, do our analysis, discuss, uh, come up with a plan, build tools, acquire tools, and then we would fly back out to the location. So there, there's always some time in there. And oftentimes it was, you know, at least a week or a couple of weeks, but it's, it's been longer than that. So the chances and the likelihood for, for the environment to change physically, you know, there's, 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 a, there's an opportunity for that. So, um, again, so it really comes down to deciding how to approach. Is, it, is the change so significant that maybe they've remediated the vulnerability? Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was a, um, I don't know, a poorly hung door, um, an opportunity to use the under the door tool. Maybe there wasn't sufficient lighting, you know, all kinds of things, right? So maybe they've, uh, in the meantime, have decided to, um, you know, to really remediate outside of what you're knowledgeable of. And in, in that situation, you, you, you probably have to, um, change on the fly. Um, other times it's, you know, acclimate, right? So the, the other part of that, which is, which is usually what the case was, is just, okay, so this, this has changed. Let's, let's acclimate to this. Uh, this involves communication back to the red team leader to say, you know, this vulnerability X, um, this poorly hung door, which I thought either I could use the under the door tool, or maybe I could use a shove it knife to get in this is not possible anymore. Let's, let's figure out what else to do. And that process, unfortunately, if it does happen, um, you know, can be a, a, a pretty big stressor on, on the mission as a whole. But um, uh, that's something that you tend to learn as you do more and more of these is how, you know, what would a likely attacker do using uh, the level of sophistication or the tools, the TTPs, and adapt and proceed. So there's a lot of stuff on that one in, in, in my book, the physical red team operations and some of the training I do, there's just a, there's quite a process that needs to go on there to decide, ultimately decide what, what to do uh, to, to, uh, to move forward. The next one is maneuver operations. This is really uh, identifying, you know, environmental conditions. This is, how do we actually, you know, how do we make our way? How do we carry ourselves? Uh, what are the things that we need to be cognizant of in the environment? This could be, like I said before, environmental conditions. This is the settlement. Settlement being urban versus rural, semi, semi-urban, semi-rural. All kinds of aspects and nuances. And I, I could talk for days on that. But there's, there's a lot of things specific to the settlement itself. Obviously you have environmental conditions that may, may, may cause your, how you maneuver the team to the target um, could impact that. You know, if it's obviously if it's, if it's urban, it's, it's probably less, but you know, if it's rural or, you know, in some data centers that we've, we've infiltrated, being out sort of in the middle of nowhere or being in, in desert-like conditions, rocky, hilly terrain, you know, those things need to be taken into consideration. Not all targets are, you know, in a downtown location. So 
and then and then we talk about a little bit about situational awareness and observation. So taking into account being a little bit more hyper aware of your surroundings, not just the team, but what's in front of you, what's behind you, what's to the side of you, uh, observing, listening to uh, any any potential uh, any potential noises, any potential um, folks coming into, you know, um, in, you know, that could be, uh, that could be guards. It could be, it could be neighbors. It could be a barking dog, right? So observing what could impact what you're doing and kind of tuning, tuning those out and tuning in to the headlights or to a car approaching, right? So it's understanding how to take that information in quickly do what we call an OODA loop. And I, some of you may have heard of that before it's OODA uh, and OODA loop just, just, just trying to understand how the, how to read your environment and how to react towards it. Um, I, again, I talk more about that uh, in a book, but if you want to Google that it's OODA uh, just trying to uh, react appropriately and in the best interest of the mission uh, moving forward. And then lastly, as a part of the maneuver operations, we have team movement. So this is really, the, a lot of this is communications. So the comms part of it, uh, are you using, you know, Bluetooth earpieces with a, you know, on a conference call, which is common to what we've done in the past, or are you using, you know, handheld radios to communicate, um, just sort of communicating with each other, what you're seeing, what could be a potential risk, how you're moving. Oh, oftentimes if you have a larger team, it may involve and it usually does mean splitting up. So you, you're not, you don't have the, the, the nicety of seeing your team members, you know, they're, they're off to one side or maybe they're, maybe they're, uh, you know, in a certain part of the building or facility that you just don't see. So co coordinating, coordinating that is very, very important, specific to com communication. The next one we talk about is uh, number eight, which is offensive strike. Um, this is all about exploitation. That's really it. So you've identified the vulnerabilities way back in, you know, when we're doing reconnaissance. And we've, we've assessed the environment to make sure that, hey, yeah, it looks like they're still there. That, that, that door, I'm pretty sure that it's vulnerable to, uh, to being shimmed with the shove it tool, this is where I actually carry that out, right? So the, if this is, um, this is a pen test, you know, technical pen test, this is, this would be me, you know, exp using Metasploit to exploit that vulnerability, right? So I'm, I'm exploiting, I'm trying to get a shell. This is what offensive strike is all about. So all the, the vulnerabilities that were identified earlier, this is where all that stuff happens. So I'm shimming, I'm using the under the door tool. I am bypassing motion detectors. I'm doing all those things, picking locks, all that stuff. The next one is penetrate and control. This is really kind of establishing a beachhead, establishing a position within the facility. So we've exploited the door at this point in time. We've gotten inside. Now what do we do? Well, now we we make our way inside. You know, we've officially penetrated the the facility. We're establishing a position inside the facility. Oftentimes, when we make our way into a target, we don't know what's around the corner. The lights are usually off. We can't see anything. 
don't want to bump in anything. Maybe it's a warehouse. Maybe it's an office. Who knows? Uh, we need to establish our bearings. Uh, if the building is potentially occupied, if we don't know if it's occupied, if we know that it will be occupied, sometimes this means that we need to change clothes. So as we were making our way to the facility, you know, perhaps we were wearing dark clothing. Now, if there's a chance we'll be seen, if there's a chance that there's people still working um, at late hours of the night, which is typically when we infiltrate a building, we may have to don some kind of a disguise, and I wouldn't say disguise, but change our cl- do it what we call a ch- character change. Maybe I'm now I'm playing the role of a person in the cleaning crew. And this is where social engineering may and usually likely happens. Um, I'd say probably a good number of the infiltrations that we've done, um, that my team has done, the, the, we don't always have the privilege of knowing if that facility office warehouse is going to be occupied. So this means that we need to be prepared and to be prepared, we might want to develop some sort of pretext ahead of time that in, in the event that we do come across somebody walking down the hallway, that we have some sort of uh, you know, pretext established. That means that we have clothes that matches uh, our pretext. For example, if we're playing a, um, a late, night, late night cleaning crew person, you want to have, um, we don't want to be wearing all black clothing. We want to have something that looks the part. Okay. Additionally, what, uh, what's very important about this step, penetrate and control, is movement inside the building. Um, this, this aspect is, is a far and vast. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of discussion around this one. And I I do get more into that in some of my training, but movement inside the facility, you know, depending upon its environment are all the lights off. Don't turn any lights on if the lights are off, unless you're really certain about, uh, the environment. Um, and just, you know, especially if you don't know if it's going to be occupied. So there's a, there's a lot to, to, to talk about there that we won't have time to get into. But movement inside the building is one of the main areas of the penetrate and control phase as well. The next one, number 10, we're getting close to the end here, is secure op ord. Secure op ord means just securing the operational orders. This is the, this is where it's the very critical to the operation. All right. So we've done all these things. We've, we've, we've discovered vulnerabilities during our recon. We've built the tools or acquired tools, the team we've mobilized to the location. We set up, we determine are the vulnerabilities still there? Yes, they are. We're going to continue. We're, we're maneuvering the team all the way to the, to the, to the physical security control. We've exploited it. We've gotten inside. We're making our way around. What did we really come there to do? Okay. Oftentimes, um, this involves in the physical red teaming world. This involves acquiring a flag. And uh, you know, if you're if you come from the pen testing background, you you understand what a flag is. There's there's all sorts of uh, competitions out there that are called capture the flag. I never played this game when I was young, but I understand that it's also a game. Um, like a game that you know kids play and what have you. 
I never had the opportunity, but what it really means is, you know, you, you, you make it your way and try to get through the, through the facility and acquire a flag. A flag could be any object, but really what it serves to do is prove to your stakeholders or to your client that you're able to make your way into the, into the facility by, by exploiting the vulnerabilities you had discovered using the, you know, doing what a likely bad actor would do using the same level of sophistication that a likely bad actor would be using and you acquired a flag. Sometimes this is just a, an object like, um, like maybe it's a paperweight. Sometimes it's more, uh, more telling, right? Sometimes it's a, like a, a drive. Sometimes it could be even a laptop or a server in, in some cases, uh, for us, uh, trying to bring out a blade server, which is, uh, uh, kind of not an easy thing to do. <laughs> Uh, it's just something that your stakeholders and or your clients may have um, uh, want you to acquire and see if you can exfiltrate that all the way outside the building. You know, different organizations have different concerns. Theft um, of physical assets, theft of intellectual property, which is, which is very big. And that just uh, serves as, you know, symbolically as a, as a way to, uh, to kind of prove that that, that is capable, um, that it's possible to do that. Okay, so that's secure operational orders, secure op board, number 10. Moving on to number 11, we got one more left. Number 11 is, you know, we've, we've secured operational orders, we've acquired a flag of some kind. This becomes the time where we, we try to make our way out, right? So this means we're, we're doing in more of an orderly, evacuation from the target. Um, we may be exiting in a different way that we made our entry. This, this tends to happen. In fact, this tends to happen if the, if the facility is more like a campus or, you know, uh, a really large geographical footprint. So we may be exiting different ways. We may be encountering different security controls upon our exit that we need to take into account. Maybe they were different from what we came in. We need to, cover our tracks. Uh, what, what do I mean by that? Um, I don't actually mean that we're, we're hiding our footprints. Um, at least my team hasn't done that yet. <clears throat> but uh, what we really mean by covering tracks is if what, while we're looking for that flag, and that flag could really be anywhere, it could be in the reception, receptionist desk, it could be inside a, inside a server room, it could be inside someone's office. And while we're looking for that, um, if it's something big, clearly we don't have to look around for things, but, um, if it happens to be something like a, a removable drive in, in the CEO's office, you know, we may have to, you know, we're going to open, be, be opening the door. Perhaps we're going to be moving a chair around. You know, what we want to do is make sure we don't leave a tell. We don't want to leave any tracks that, that anyone's been there. We don't want to move monitors. We don't move, you know, keyboards, so to speak. We don't want to move around anything that the phones, for example, we don't, we don't want to leave a tell, we don't leave a trace that, that someone's been there. Right. So, um, when we say covering tracks, that's, that's, that's predominantly, uh, what we mean. Um, then, then, then finally we want to, you know, start thinking about, uh, moving to the rally point. Right. So earlier I just, I kind of talked about what is it, what is rally point? I talked about the staging location where we set up, 
the deployment point where we actually, you know, maybe we get dropped off by the red team leader. Uh, and, and the other, the other, so the last one here is, is the rally point. So this is the place where we are going to meet, you know, we're, we're maybe two or three or four strong as a team. Perhaps we've split up more than likely we have. So we're all through the building or buildings. And, uh, as we're communicating, you know, with the red team leader, he or she gives us the, the signal to, to kind of, uh, make our way to the rally point. The rally point is uh, usually where he or she is parked. The red team leaders uh, has a vehicle somewhere, perhaps, or maybe it's just a, a physical location that we're going to be meeting at. But that rally point is crucial to the successful completion of a uh, physical red team operation. And while this may differ, um, it for me and my team, in my experience doing this for for many many years is that usually our clients and our stakeholders um, don't consider you know, our, our, uh, an operation to be fully executed until we've made our way clean, cleanly in and out uh, of a location. So kind of running through the full gamut of things, even you know, we, we may be successful at, at step 11 by acquiring the target, um, but as I said before, making a clean exit means that we, you know, we evade uh, security controls on our way out successfully, you know, rallying at the rally point. So, um, so that's a very critical component of that as well. All right, last step, collect and exfiltrate. So uh, upon leaving, getting ready to leave, um, the location once we're inside we're inside the CEO's office where you know we've uh, we've we've carried out a number of exploit uh, exploits on the vulnerabilities generally there there's several that we tend to have to exploit to get into the to reach a flag we've done all those things maybe we've picked a lock maybe we've um, used a few tools maybe the under the door tool maybe we've shimmed a door Maybe we've you know done X Y Z in such a way that we've had to use tools. So at this point in time, we want to make sure that we don't leave any tools behind. Now I'm guilty of this, unfortunately, but it's it's critical to uh, especially if you have multiple locations where you're doing five uh, and one in in uh, in one particular engagement there were there were a number of them somewhere around ten, maybe a little under ten, but. Uh, you know, I happened to drop my um, my uh, shove it tool on the ground. Now, thankfully, this location wasn't one that was visited regularly. It happened to be a power substation, and those aren't like offices where people are. You know, there's multiple people showing up nine to five, right? This is this is one of those things where it's it's not occupied all the time. So, thankfully, um, that. It, it wasn't a more uh, a more uh, obvious uh, situation, but um, I you know I could have really I could have really thrown the entire engagement if someone had it had had seen. Hey, what does this thing look? Like? It look it looks like a uh, slim jim, right? Very similar to a slim jim that you would use to break into a car. Uh, you know, just a little bit shorter, and uh, you know, someone uh, a lineman. 
uh, line person could have seen that and said, hey, what's this? You know, oh, it looks like a Slim Jim. Somebody trying to break in. Hey, I'm going to call corporate or going to call the headquarters and say something's fishy was going on here. And then they put everyone else on alert. And, you know, we're halfway through our engagement. And we've got five other places to go to. Suddenly, you know, you have this heightened level of awareness and it's not an accurate test, right? We want to we, we want to make sure that we're testing under under normal circumstances, and this is this wouldn't be a normal cir- circumstance. So, um, collecting tools, make sure you have them uh, with you, is very important before you leave. Making sure you don't leave a tell. Right? So this is this is very important. Making sure you have your flags with you somewhere secured. If it's a if it's a drive and you have a backpack or something with you or a, a satchel of some kind, making sure you secure that in the satchel before you leave, and then. <clears throat> It's exit to the rally point. Uh, all the team members sort of make their way and exfil to the designated area. And usually this is where, you know, this is usually where the uh, red team leader is situated. And, you know, you make your way out there again, trying to avoid those security controls that may be different from your entrance, right? You may be exiting out to a different exit within the facility. And this may require you to encounter, avoid, uh, bypass different security controls that you happen to encounter on your, on your entrance. Um, and the key thing here is to do your exfiltration in an orderly manner. You know, I always like to say, you know, I, I guess, you know, thinking about the episode, episode three, where I, you know, talked a little bit about one of the war stories that I had in social engineering. <clears throat> One of the things that, uh, one of the things that you know is is natural, is that once you you've done something bad, that you you have this natural uh, instinct to want to just to leave to get the heck out of there, and I talk a little bit about that. You know, I kind of mention it in, in in episode three, when I'm whenever I'm holding a flag, especially when there's people around me, you know, I get nervous. And this is natural. It happens to everybody. You know, imagine imagine a thief uh, inside a you know convenience store. He or she happens to steal something. Uh, you know, that person isn't walking. That that person isn't thinking cool, calm, and collective. They though they may look like it, they're acting. I don't think anyone really feels no change uh, in their in their body. In their in their mind, once they've done something they know is wrong, you know. And even though this is a test, and I'm not, and we're not technically doing anything illegal, it still feels wrong. So we have this natural tendency to want to get the heck out of there, and do it in a disorderly fashion. We really have to fight that. We want to make sure that we're not just, you know, oh, there's a, looks like there's a straightaway, and I'm just going to book it. That's usually not the right thing to do. You want to make sure you you do it in an orderly fashion such that you don't somehow compromise uh, the mission as a whole just by feeling like you've got to get the heck out of there, right? So it's, it's, it's certainly a, when you experience it, you'll know, hey, this, I just want to get to the rally point because we're almost done and, you know, you're still amped up on adrenaline but uh, you really have to fight that and doing it and doing it in, in a very orderly fashion. So, again, one of the main aspects 
of collect and exfiltrate is to get to the rally point undiscovered, unscathed, with your tools and uh, any flags that you happen to acquire. And this usually amounts to the full completion and the conclusion of the mission as a whole, the, the uh, actual operation itself. So thank you for taking the time to listen in today. I know we ran a little bit long, but if you did enjoy this podcast, you know, please like, subscribe, and share with your colleagues. Until next week, I hope you have a great day.